With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Part 4. Chapter 21 and 22 of The Beach of Dreams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Beach of Dreams by H. D. Ver Stackpole. Part 4. Chapter 21. Time Passes. It's not good to be alone. As the weeks passed, she began to lose and forget the feeling of surety in rescue, and at times, now, she found herself talking out loud, putting what was in her mind into speech as though a companion were by. And sometimes she would hear a voice hallooing to her and start and cast her eyes over the desolate beach only to see the gulls. The beach was always haunted by queer noises, the chanting sound of the waves coming in, a faint sound like the beating of a drum at very low tide, to say nothing of the booming of bitterns and the barking of brent geese and the, the hundred voices of the wind. She would listen and listen, her mind wandering aimlessly, and in the great rains, when the whole sea was shut out by the downpour, the noise would lull her like opium. The baby sea elephants lost their long black coats and put on suits of fine yellow fur and took themselves to the nursery by the river, where all day long they played and tumbled and swam, and then she would sit and watch them like a mother watching her children. The great battle of the bulls seemed like something far away beyond which other things were becoming vague, something that was not meant to be seen so close by human eyes, something that had pushed her still further from man. It was full summer now the season of tremendous sunsets, and when the sky was clear, vast conflagrations lit themselves beyond the lizard point, painting the islands and purpling the skies, and one evening as she sat in the western blaze, watching the moving beach and listening to the playing and quarreling of the nursery, a voice said to her, Some day all these will take to the sea and leave you, there will be nothing here but the rocks and the sea. It was as though the sunset had spoken. The thought aroused her as a knock on the door arouses a sleeper. Fighting against it, her mind became more fully awake. She said to herself, If they go, I will go too. 
For a long time now she had lived without hot food or drink. On coming here first she had cut some wood from the figurehead to make a fire, but it was damp, just damp enough to prevent it from kindling. So she had let things go as women do in the matter of food when they have not anyone else to feed. She had burrowed into the catch and got at some of the tins of vegetables, and on these and biscuits and tinned meat she made out, eating less and less as time went on. It is bad to be alone, even with sea elephants to ward off fears, even with provisions enough for a year and a cave to shelter one. She had never given in. She had fought the future and refused to be frightened by it. She had worked for life and taken refuge in the moment, and now the moment was taking its revenge for being too much lived in. To eat was almost too much trouble, and presently the seal nursery became too long a walk, and a little sea elephant at play had lost their power to interest her. Sleep began to take the place of food, and sometimes, and for no reason, she would weep like a child. The food she ate sometimes seemed to poison her, bringing on vomiting and dysentery, and it poisoned her because her stomach failed to digest it. She was being poisoned, poisoned by loneliness. Had her stomach not failed, her mind would have given. As it was, the weakness of malnutrition saved her reason as it slowly destroyed her hold on life. Her dreams became sometimes more vivid than reality, and they always held her to the beach where she watched without terror battles between monstrous sea elephants and processions of penguins infinite in length, penguins that passed her bowing, bowing, bowing till she woke in the dark with the palms of her hands dry and burning and her lips like pumice stone and her tongue feeling hard like the tongue of a parrot. But the worst experience of all was a shock that came nearly every time she laid down at night and just before sleep took her. It seemed like a blow of a fist, a fist that hit her everywhere, making her start and draw up her legs and cry out. All this, perhaps, was what she had foreseen when long ago she had watched a great ship that had told her of desolation and something worse. This was what no one had ever imagined in connection with desolation. Its power to kill with its own hand, to gently destroy, sucking the vitality like a vampire and fanning the victim to dullness with its wings. The sea elephants might have noticed that the female creature to whom they had grown so accustomed appeared little now, a shrinking vision that every day shortened its wanderings that it walked differently, that it seemed more bent. But the sea elephants knew nothing of loneliness or its works, nor did they notice, one morning, that though the sun was shining, the figure did not appear at all. Chapter 22 A Newcomer One morning, brilliant with the deceptive brilliancy of Kerguelen, a big man, rough and red-bearded and carrying a bundle slung over his shoulder, stood on the rocks that formed the eastern point of the great beach. The sun was at his back, and before him lay the seven-mile stretch of sand and rock leading to the far-off lizard point. He was over six feet in height, 
but so strongly built that he scarcely looked his inches. He was a sailor. The gulls might have told that by the way he stood, and his eyes, accustomed to roving over vast spaces, swept the beach before him from end to end, took in the sea elephants moving like slugs, and the seal nursery, and the river and the sands beyond, and the lizard point crawling out to the sea beyond the sands. Then he cast his eyes inland. He wanted to get to the west, and he had to choose between seven miles of broken country or seven miles of easy beach. The sea elephants were a bar across the beach. He could gauge their size from where he stood. They looked formidable, but they were less so than the rocks strewing the broken country. He had climbed over rocks and gone round rocks and nearly fallen from rocks till rocks had become in his mind enemies bitter, brutal, callous, and far more formidable than the live things. He chose the beach and came down to it, taking his way along the sea edge as a person takes his way along a pavement edge, giving possibly turbulent people the wall. As he closed up towards the seal beach, he kept his eyes fixed on the great bulls and their families, and the bulls, as he drew closer, shifted their position to watch him. Beyond that they showed no sign. Then as he began to pass them, he recognized that he had nothing to fear. The females alone, here and there, showed any signs of disturbance, shuffling towards him with wicked eyes rising on their flippers but always sinking down and shuffling back as he went on further along though followed and met by a hundred pairs of eyes even the females began to treat him with indifference it was as though the whole herd were under the dominion of one brain that recognized him as harmless and passed him along he would pause now and then to look at them with the admiration of strength for strength. He was of their type, a bullman, rough from the seas as themselves. Then he saw the caves and would have passed them only for something that caught his eye. A red-labeled Libby tin was lying on the dark sand close to the mouth of one of the caves, and if you wish to know how an old tomato tin or an old beef tin can shout, you must go alone to the great beach of Kerguelen and find one there, which you will not. The sight of the tin made him start and catch in his breath. The tin was everything he knew of ships, and men focused in a point, a knight in an armored riding along the beach would have astonished him no more, would have heated his blood far less. He struck up towards it, took it in his hand, examined it inside and out, and then cast his eyes at the cave before which it had lain. He saw something in the cave. It was a woman, a woman lying on the sand with a rolled-up blanket.